You're listening to the Man Risk Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number 143. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Man Risk Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and this is the podcast where we talk about building a successful, friendly local game store. Uh, and in this case, we're exploring a little bit more about the world of Altered and the upcoming Altered TCG. And I have with me on the podcast today one Marcus Cruzy, a game designer on the Altered team. Welcome to the podcast, Marcus. Hey, thank you for having me. Uh, super excited to be here. Um, I, I, I hear there's loads of cool questions prepared about Altered TCG. And yeah. uh, I'd love to share some information with you today. It's going to be awesome. Well, thank you very much for giving me your time and, and, and giving us some of the insights into what's going on in the background. And I know there's a lot coming up. There's a lot of this is an exciting time for Altered because the, the Kickstarter is is coming soon. And hopefully this episode will coincide with the launch of the Kickstarter. So if you're listening to this, it should be live right now. Definitely go check that out. Uh, links and all that stuff will be included in the in the notes and down in the description and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, so again, welcome to the podcast. What is it like to be a designer or a game designer on the altered team? Just let's start off with the beginnings. I guess that's not the easiest question to answer. Um, there's lots of different ways I could approach that. Um, I mean, first of all, it's great, which is probably sounding a bit of an easy way out. <laughs> um, but it's it's been an amazing experience so far. Uh, working on a TCG is a dream come true, probably for the whole team, to be honest. Um, and like... I've been there for, so I've worked, I've been working on Altered for about a year and a half now. Um, like seeing the, the game develop and grow and the cards take take shape and like the whole environment of the gameplay taking life has been such an awesome experience. Um, so yeah, lots of positives. Uh, unsurprisingly, it's quite intense. Uh, it's uh, like working on Altered has been a big part of my life during those, those, uh, the past year and a half. Um, but I mean, it, we're you're kind of living the dream of doing what you love. So it makes sense to go ahead and like give you all and invest yourself fully into it all. Yeah, absolutely. How did you get into this, this line of work? Like what was your path towards getting to this position where you are now? Um, so mine is quite atypical. And I definitely wouldn't recommend it to, uh, <laughs> to people actually trying to, to get into the, um, the game design industry. I, I did studies which were completely unrelated. Um, I studied music, um, but I was always like massively interested in TCGs uh growing up as kids uh and even like once i was an adult still playing very regularly and basically it was like a very big part of life but only as a hobby um and things just kind of lined up uh in terms of timing and in terms of interest on the kind of profile they're looking um to, to join the team at the time they were doing recruitment and i like i knew all the guys who was working on the team uh, a very long time ago so i met him when i was a kid um and I basically just kind of had the right, uh, the right skill set. Um, well, specifically some interesting bits in my skill sets, um, which lined up what they're looking for at the time. One of those being English, um, because Altered, um, or Equinox is a French company. Um, most of the work internally is, um, well, we will speak French together. Quite a few of our documents are written in French. Uh, but having access to someone who was English in the team was also quite a, quite a big key point. I've, uh, always had a, an interest in game design. It's just one of those things that. I kind of like started off yeah. way before I even got into games like Magic. I was just trying to like make a make my own board game when I was eight years old, eight years old, and terrible at it. But it's kind of like been in the background of my life for pretty much the entire time I've I've been uh, you know alive. So it's it's one of those things that like I I I love this 
world. I love game design. I love the creation of all these things that make people extremely happy and fun. And it's a, you know, a, a way of connecting people. It's, uh, I think I think games are special. So the idea of working in the games business and the games industry and creating those things just just sounds super cool to me. Yeah, it's. I mean, a big part of what makes it so special for me is like um, like the whole kind of team aspect of it. I know that like people working on board games is usually oh, board games can usually be a bit, a bit more of a solo endeavor. Like you're gonna come up with a prototype and work a little bit on your own. I'm sure you'll do play tests, but you'll be the main person working on your like your your own board game for many months at a time. And uh, also, like we've had the chance of like being together as a team, and, like sticking together for a long time, and it's like the whole relationship uh, you create with the people in the team, like your ability to solve problems um, together and like communicate and have all these really interesting conversations, which really adds a lot to the whole thing. All right, let's dive into the altered game design and some of these questions that I've got lined up, and let's uh, give people an idea of of kind of what to expect and how much work has actually gone into this thing. So. Uh, let's start off with what initially inspired the concept of Altered and how it evolved from its original idea. What was it like, you know, at the beginning, a year from or a year and a half ago, and you know, where is it now and how has it evolved? Right. So the project actually started before I arrived, so I'd been basically running uh, for about a year uh, before I joined the company. And to give a bit of a background on how the whole thing launched, um, so. The idea for Altered came from uh, so Regis Bonse, who's um, like um, Equinox's CEO. Um, you may have heard of him from like, Libelu, the studio he made, so games like Dixit. And so him and um, uh, someone called Maxim that he, he's worked very closely with in the past, basically came up with this whole idea of doing a new TCG um, that wasn't based like that wasn't based on combat, uh, having a whole like the whole different universe. So the whole like optimistic kind of um, non-combat element came from that original pitch. Uh, and there's a couple of extra things along with that. Obviously, all the digital kind of aspects, which were already um, like all the most of the most of the ideas, or the foundations of those ideas, were already present at the beginning of the project. Um, one other specific element which was uh, present in the beginning is the concept of the six factions. Um, so they already had names, which have they've changed since, um, but the identity of the factions in terms of their philosophy has changed very, very little throughout the process. So basically, it also started off with that, like, the pitch of, we want a non-violent TCG, uh, it's going to have QR codes, QR codes, sorry, all the implications that has with the digital aspect, and uh, non, non-combat-based gameplay. So it actually wasn't present for a lot of, like, the iterations that came up with the core gameplay. Um, by the time I arrived, most, quite a few of the elements um, were already in place. Some of them will be very, very different. Um, the main thing that's changed, well, one of the main elements of the core game that changed when I, um, once I arrived was the central adventure cards. Uh, so if you're not terribly familiar with, uh, the gameplay of Altered, basically, um, you're, you're playing a race between, uh, you and your opponent, um, where you have different expeditions advancing on these central adventure cards. And it's the first player who joins two expeditions who wins the game. And those were Quite, well, those are completely absent when I arrived. It was actually a very different mechanic, which was much more complex, uh, a lot of and didn't make that much sense with um, the whole universe and the whole feel. So it's definitely one of the big, big things that changed um, in terms of like if you if you saw the prototypes we were playing around with a year and a half ago. Cool. It'd be really interesting, just from a, a design perspective, to see what the game was like back in the early prototype days compared to what it is now. Yeah. Sure. Um, oh, 
I'm talking about like negatively about some of the things we've changed, but there's also lots of things that worked quite well. Um, I specifically remember we had this this demo deck of uh, ten cards, and they were all quite generic and all quite neutral. Um, like none of them had factions yet, so there's quite 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 a few other pieces of the puzzle were missing. Um, but it was really like I remember just really enjoying playing with those decks. So I could play like ten games in a row with, this, with like these two decks, and it was a mirror match. It was actually like you're playing the same deck as your opponent. Um, but I just kept coming back to this gameplay, like, okay, like this basis is actually like sound and really fun. And a lot of the time when we started developing that and adding extra elements, um, like more comp more complexity, different uh, themes and mechanics for different factions, uh, I'd like compare my new experience with all the new cool things and my old experience with the, the basic, supposedly boring deck. And I was like, well, actually, I had more fun with the basic boring deck. Hmm. Um, and it, it, it took us, well, it took a while for, for us to realize why that was kind of happening. And a lot of it came down to complexity and to realizing like, okay, well, in fact, the core gameplay we've developed is really fun and we don't need to add too many layers of complexity above that uh, to actually create fun and interesting games for people. So yeah, there's some positives uh, as well as some negatives. For sure. I would imagine the uh, the game design process being a, a balance of, okay, we've got the basic gameplay loop. This is good. How much other stuff do we want to pile onto that? And does that add value in the sense of, does this make the game more fun or does it just make it more complicated? And then like, it becomes like, okay, let's build it up and then trim it back down. Right. To be like, this is the, the good core stuff. Let's focus on this. But then you try something else and see if maybe that wants to be bolted on, or maybe that does need to be cut. How do you balance the complexity? How do you know, like, what is the right level of complexity for a game like this? Um, hmm. Well, there's different ways, right? Um, one of it is going to be instinct. Um, like, you know, you're a designer, you come up with a couple of cards, prototype, play a couple of games uh, yourself and see how it feels. Um, you kind of got, as a designer, it's our job to have a feel for that. And that's not always easy because everyone who's in the design team plays loads of TCGs and we've already kind of, we've gone over that initial hurdle of like learning and being familiar with the rules and the mechanics. Uh, so you definitely have to, like, if something feels a little bit complex to you as a game designer, it's probably going to feel very complex to someone who isn't a game designer. So it's quite important to kind of like calibrate that whole, like your own personal sense of that. Um, but of course, in addition to that, playtesting um, is a massive deal. Um, so much basically one of the game designers in the team has main responsibility for uh, the past year and a half and the project has just been running and organizing some play tests. Uh, we've played this game a lot with a variety of different crowds, people from like more board game universes, or the more universes, people who are more fans of TCGs, people who are kind of linked with neither. Um, so definitely a play test is the main kind of way of us for us to get feedback regarding that. Hey there, Tabletop Game Store owners. Are you looking to level up your digital marketing game and boost your store's growth to new heights? We specialize in helping tabletop game stores just like yours dominate the digital landscape. With our cutting-edge strategies, expert insights, and tailored solutions, we'll unlock the true potential of your store's online presence and skyrocket your sales. And here is the best part. We're offering a free strategy call for game store owners that are serious about growing their business. That's right. Sign up now for a complimentary consultation and let us show you how we can transform your store's marketing game. Don't miss out on this incredible journey to level up your digital marketing and drive your store's growth to new heights. Head over to our website at maniversesaga.com forward slash MMA to register for your free strategy call today. 
It's time to dominate the digital marketing arena and achieve success for your tabletop game store. So what are you waiting for? Book your call now and let's make your store the ultimate gaming destination. Uh, I'm curious how much the art and narrative of the game informs the design or is it the other way around? Sure. So uh, interestingly for, um, so for, of course, so for Beyond the Gates, um, a lot of the development for art, law and game design was done parallel. Um, we were basically producing, well, all three departments were producing content for Beyond the Gates um, at the same time simultaneously, um, which definitely added some fair share of difficulties, uh, like synchronizing what everyone's doing and making sure everything kind of lines up uh, what mm -hmm. we need to task. Um, However, it definitely added some things as well, like lot, lots of the kind of things that we bounce, we're able to bounce ideas off each other during the process. And like one afternoon, like, oh, we'd see like all these, like, I don't know, a couple of new artworks that the art team just received. Like, oh, that's really cool. Maybe we should like take inspiration for that, for like this design, actually. Like, oh, actually, like this design that we just came up with goes really well with the art from like two months ago. So it, it did lead to um, having like this parallel development did lead to like this really cool kind of alchemy where we'd like be able to bounce different things off each other and have all kind of links, even though it took a bit of time to get going. Um, once the process was um, like fully rolling ahead, it was definitely a really fun experience. Um, that might not necessarily be the case for the future. We're going to try and adjust a little bit the process. Uh, and obviously there's, there's, there's going to be different points. Um, there's a whole process to how we're going to be constructing sets um, and different times where be, we're working very closely with Law One Art and some other periods where we'll be a bit more in exploratory kind of design and in that case we probably won't be in communication with them so much just to make sure we've got enough headspace to or we've got the available headspace to go in any kind of direction that we're interested in terms of gameplay then of course we'll gravitate back towards them um, eventually and make sure we work as hard as possible to have like a really coherent product where all three of these kind of like creative directions line up absolutely and i feel like that that must be uh both difficult but probably once you get the alignment working, very like effective, right? When you have the designers as well as the artists and the people kind of coming up with the narrative structure and you're all kind of like, okay, we're working towards the same thing. We know what we're trying to achieve. It just it, like, it starts to click. But if you don't have that, you can be like, oh, someone's kind of like pulling in a direction where the design does not support, right? We're not going that way. Like we... You know, like, a, I could imagine, like, if there was a horror theme set at some point in the future, thinking of, like, MTG with Murders of Karlov, right? Like, this, you know, in a strad, like, sure. if you were going in a direction that's, okay, we're, we're, we're doing this, but the design does not support werewolves and vampires. Like, we're not designing for that. Like, okay, we need to, like, co we need to coordinate this. I can imagine that would be a, uh, a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely felt like that um, in, in the very early design of uh, Beyond the Gates um, in the beginning. But as time went on, like, we got to know everyone in the different teams got to know each other and like we maybe really managed to get it right back on tracks and like now we've got a really good alchemy and same kind of thing that i was talking about like being at ease and like getting to know your colleagues um in the gamers and team it's been the same kind of story with the law and the art teams uh, and it's been awesome like getting comfortable with each other and being able to really bounce ideas off each other like that yeah for sure speaking of challenges uh what kind of challenges did you face you know since you've you've been on the team and you've been working on this for the last 18 months, what kind of challenges did you face in getting a balanced and engaging experience for the game? What has been like the, the biggest obstacles or hurdles over the last uh, year and a bit? Well, um, so one of the big ones uh, for us has been accessibility. Um, that's really important uh, in any kind of game design. How easy is my game to, to, to learn? How 
are people, well, what's the risk of people having a look at the rules two minutes saying, this is nonsense, it's too complex, I'm giving up on this and never touching your game again. Mm -hmm. uh, and accessibility has been a, a big part of like a, a very big focus of what we've been working on. And it's very easy to come up with ideas that seem really cool on paper, but just are too complex to actually um, see the light of day towards the end. Uh, so there's, yeah, there's definitely been lots of work we've been doing on that. Um, and some, some elements in Altered are, oh, I'm not sure if complex is necessarily the right word, but there are some elements, um, some extra steps that we definitely had to reduce as much as possible during the development. One of the big debates we had for a long time was, uh, so the whole fleeting uh, mechanic. So when, if you play a card from reserve, it gains fleeting and you can represent that with like a fleeting, uh, a fleeting marker until it means it's discarded once it leaves uh, the expeditions. Um, and there was quite a lot of debate around that because, well, you've got to use markers to represent it. It's something that some players forget. You've got to keep, um, that you have to keep track of this. Otherwise it can kind of mess up, uh, the, the game state and people can like, can get things wrong with that. Uh, so it, we spent a lot of time like discussing, we've, we've tried so many solutions, uh, to represent fleeting cards at some point that they were tapped at some points we had like different areas in the play maps with cards that were fleeting, cards that weren't fleeting. Uh, so that was definitely one of the, like. Well, that's one of the big challenges that comes to mind, but we had quite a few other like subsets of like accessibility issues that we tried lots of different solutions to fix. And I'm, I'm generally very satisfied with the solutions we found. Uh, I'm sure none of them are perfect, but I'm also quite convinced that they were the best solutions we had with the, um, well, with the problems we were faced with at the time. Yeah, for sure. I, I would imagine that it's, it's an ongoing process, right? Like again, to compare it to some of the older games like magic and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and, and flesh and blood to a lesser extent, but They've been around for decades at this point, and they're still going through continual updates and refinements and, you know, rules, overhauls and stuff like that, right? So I'm sure there's there's always going to be like, oh, yeah, why didn't we think about this five years ago when we were kind of figuring out this solution? This is the thing. This is so much easier. But, but yeah, the uh, making something complex and interesting and engaging, but also simple and approachable, that's a tough line to walk for a game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've tried to learn as much as possible from like mistakes, not as mistakes, but corrections. Like games that you mentioned, like um, Magic or Pokemon League, you know, like they've a lot of them have changed like the wordings and their cards to be more simple recently over the past past years. We've kind of tried to learn from those changes, and hopefully, we've done as much as possible from the get go. Um, but like, well, I'm sh I'm sure we'll notice things in the in the years to come if altered as well and um, carry on releasing things. Um, as the years go by, I'm sure we'll notice new things and I'm sure we'll update them as time goes on. Absolutely. Uh, so you've got an, a very interesting, uh, game system, a game, the gameplay is different from all the other major, you know, TCGs on the market at the moment. Uh, and you've got a very, like, there's a lot of, uh, about altered. That's very unique, right? Not to like specifically, you know, focus on the unique, like the capital U, uh, unique cards, but like the game itself is very different. It, it functions differently. Like you said, it's not combat focused. It's exploratory. It's more of like a race. It's more collaborative in a sense. There's, there's a whole bunch of things that, that are done differently. Also constructed wise, right? Like the, uh, I guess most TCGs are kind of have this, you have this many cards, your deck is 60 cards. You have four of each. Like there's, there's a bit of a standard template for TCGs that a lot of games follow, but Altered isn't following that particular path, right? There's a slightly different way of, uh, of building your deck and doing things. 
can you elaborate a little bit on how like the rarity system works and how that impacts like gameplay and like the strategy for constructed events or constructed uh, you know gameplay? Yeah, sure. So in altered every single common card, uh, oh, there's there's 180 common cards in uh, Beyond the Gates, right? And every single one of these common cards also has two rare versions. One of them is a rare version uh, in the same faction, and one of them is a rare version in a different faction. Uh, the way this works in deck building is that there's a limit to how many rares you can play in a given deck. Um, so you, you play up to 40, 40 cards in your deck, hero included, um, but you've got a maximum of 15 rare cards uh, that you can include. So you're definitely going to have to play some commons in every single constructed deck you build. What's really interesting to me in that puzzle is where you can figure out like what your 40 commons might be in your deck. Um, but as soon as you add like the rares to the equation, it becomes a lot more interesting because you have to decide, well, which cards am I going to upgrade? Which ones don't I want to upgrade? Also adds other equations because you're basically getting access to cards that the commons don't give you access to. So would you rather, for example, uh, gain access to like a more powerful version of a common you might already have? Or instead, are you looking for like a specific, um, like maybe a, a removal spell or a specific kind of interaction that your faction doesn't usually get access to? Well, it's better to go borrow that from a different faction than that to your deck. And that's a really interesting, well, I personally find that a really interesting kind of um, question to be asking yourself. Uh, and there's not always a necessarily a clear cut answer to it. So we've, we've definitely put a lot of effort into balancing the whole kind of what, what I call the deck building puzzle between like choosing all between these different bears and different commons and how it all balances out. But I'll put a lot of balancing and playtesting that. And I'm, I'm quite happy with the result. And I, I really hope deck building is going to be a very interesting part in, in Altered. And I'm, I'm quite confident that people are definitely not going to agree on what the optimal strategies are for a very long time. I like the way that it's, uh, that it's structured. And I like the fact that you've got this, these basic requirements and then you know, because of the, like the unique system and the, the different rares and the way that it's structured, it's not just a matter of like the rares are the better card. Like you have to maximize, you know, like magic is like you play as many rares as you theoretically can, right? Like you can play a deck that's all mythics and that's generally going to increase your power level compared to somebody who's got a precon or a, a deck that's just made of commons. Whereas altered is like, no, you have to play the commons. The commons are what make the game. That's like a, a key component. Like they, that's where most of the game interaction occurs is, is on the common level. And it's not that they're bad. It's just, this is more of just how the game is structured. I, 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 I like the way that works. Uh, I'm curious about two things. Uh, why 40 cards compared to a, a larger deck? Well, that's mainly an accessibility kind of, um, like that. Yeah. Mainly because of accessibility, uh, games of magic have like up to 60, but like you're playing lots of lands, uh, in your magic decks. Um, every single card in Altered, well, there's no lands in Altered, like every single card can be placed uh, in your mana zone as an orb. So we felt that like, so with the rule of three copies of a card and uh, 40 cards in deck, we're still getting like the, there's enough, there's enough interest in like the, the card choices, there's enough variety in what you're going to draw across the different games you're going to play. Um, but there's no need to artificially inflate the amount of cards someone needs to play the game. Uh, you're basically just it's just the risk of increasing the cost um, for the players. And that's not what you want. The more players play your game, um, the better the community and the, the cooler the whole experience is for everybody. So yeah, definitely to avoid gatekeeping as much as possible there. And then the second thing would be, uh, I don't know if this has been talked about or revealed or if it can be revealed yet, but are there any plans for a 
more uh, sealed or draft kind of environment besides constructed? Is that going to be an option with the booster packs and all of that? And then, like, how would that work? So there's no plans for sealed at the moment. Um, however, draft is definitely on the table. Um, we've worked on the format. I I imagine I'm not free to reveal um, information about um, how the format actually functions, um, which I'm very upset about because I'm a massive fan of draft um, in all any card games. Yeah, me too. Um, but we've we've definitely playtested draft, um, playtested draft internally, and every single time it's been a massive success. Um, and the team is going, oh, let's draft again. Like, do we have any like mock boosters lying around? Let's just put a draft on that night. Um, so I, I really can't wait for us to be able to get into more detail about how it works because I think it's a really cool system. It's uh, let's just say the rules are quite different to uh, what they are for deck building, like constructed and altered. So there's some there's some cool things that you can do uh, in draft which you can't do in constructed, which is usually the opposite in most card games. Um, yeah, I'm really excited uh, to be able to talk more about that and for people to get their hands on it and actually try it out because it, it's really really fun. Cool. I'm I'm definitely excited to find out more about that once that's you know, a, uh, a thing we can talk about. Cause it, like I said, that, that, uh, draft and then that kind of environment is just, uh, that little extra bit of randomness and, you know, excitement makes that uh, sort of format really fun. So I'm glad to hear that that's a possibility with the way that altered structure. And I'd definitely be interested in, in finding out more about that. All right, let's move on to some of the lore and the world building because the art and the style and the narrative for altered is very interesting. Like you, you said at the beginning of the, the interview, it's very optimistic, which is a, a, a nice change, right? You know, I think we all need a little bit more optimism <laughs> right now. So how, uh, let's start with the factions. How was the lore for the factions started? Like you mentioned that uh, a lot of this was in place before you joined the team, uh, but has it changed over time or has it been like, nope, these are the, the factions. This is what they believe in. This is how they fit in the world. And it's just been that way since the beginning. And then uh, what kind of inspired those stories and, and where everything has come from? Sure. So the, well, the, the philosophy, the basic, like the, the founding philosophies of the factions uh, has changed, well, hasn't actually changed at all uh, through the whole process. Like those were, like, those were very sound and solid and, like, brought loads of interesting kind of things from the get-go. So we, we never, we never felt limited um, by that. In fact, it was actually that kind of thing. So having, like, these very precise guidelines of what the factions were really helped us actually come up with a lot of like the concepts in terms of law, gameplay, art. Um, so no, the basic, well, the general guidelines and philosophy didn't hasn't haven't evolved over time. Um, however, uh, well, the law department has done lots of development in terms of that. Um, you know, like the, the original pictures of the faction for the factions have been like a couple sentences each, um, and now there's um, almost a literal book worth um <laughs> worth of content um if not more um regarding the whole other universe so there's lots lots uh, lots lots more details about uh different characters in the factions evolutions um like how they've interacted throughout the years in um in arcaster or as, as office at the peninsula where um um where like the, well, the factions live and have taken like taken shelter from the summer and the world around them so what was the inspiration for some of these these stories? Like, where, uh, I know you mentioned that, um, was it uh, Miyazaki was a, a inspiration for some of the art? Uh, where did the, where did the philosophies come from? I know, I, like, from, you know, what's been revealed so far, a lot of it has obviously been drawn from real life, you know, historical characters or even fantasy characters and and uh, modified versions of, of uh, you know, other fictional things. But 
where did some of this stuff come from? I'm not sure I can give any like specific examples off the top of my head. Or like, oh, we did like this specific kind of um, like piece of film or a content um, really inspired us. But what I will say is that as a team, um, we're all, I mean, we're all kind of our own little geeks. So we're all very big fans of like cinema, books, uh, lots of like fans of role playing games in the team. And we definitely try to have this culture where we're often like discussing, um, there's always people discussing like, oh, like, what, what's the new cool series to check out um, on streaming services. Uh, people discussing like what they've been seeing. There's no more books they've been reading. So rather than give a specific example, I think I'll just kind of discuss how like as a team, we're always trying to be talking about new forms of um, media and storytelling and arts uh, around us that inspires us and trying to share that as much as amongst ourselves and kind of just have a, just be in an environment where we're all kind of inspired by the things we see day to day. Uh, mm. So yeah, I think it's probably more that than like giving a specific like list of like two or three references that really inspire the story. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I see how being surrounded by people who value kind of the same things and, and just general nerd culture, we draw from a lot of different aspects of life and a lot of different stories inspire us. Right. So I can see how that becomes a bit of a melting pot and then just sort of a, like an alchemical experience where we just start to be like, well, what if we did a, you know, like, I guess, what if we did a Mulan inspired character? What would this, what would that look like? Right. What would that person be like? What would their card look like? What would they be, you know, what would motivate them in life and what would they be after and what all that sort of stuff? How does that, uh, how does that work with game design? Right. So you've got the lore. How much of this is chicken and egg? You know, I, I have a game design for a car. I want a card that does this specific effect. Where can we find the character or the, the philosophy, the faction that, that fits? Or do you have like, okay, we've got the faction, we've got the lore, we've got this thing, we want this event to be represented in a card. Okay, what does that card do? How much of uh, how much back and forth happens? So it depends on the cards. Uh, some of them, a lot of, well, some of the cards, quite a few, we did lots of back and forth and discussing. Um, I'm not sure how much I can go into detail about this, but there's a, there's a couple of like story elements that are pictured in some of the cards, um, some of which actually have been revealed. Um, so I wonder if people will be able to start piecing you know, different, different, um, pieces together um and like that obviously requires lots of back and forth um yeah so the business for those kind of story elements were definitely like starting with the story well what kind of story can we tell uh, with the information we have and then us kind of working out like which cards that would fit with um i i think yeah i'm, I'm actually quite confident that in almost all situations we had designs that fitted uh, the story beats that we were looking for and so it didn't actually require much like specific changes that just kind of happened to work really well what we, what we already have and um, what we already had at the time um and in some situations definitely like we'd kind of like have come up with an idea of like a character or a spell or a landmark like at one of the locations in the game and um so, like the law team would say oh like here, here's this mythical character like this would work perfectly with that and we'll be like, oh yeah like that's absolutely that's one of that and then sometimes we had like opposite situations where like we'd have some art piece that were kind of done and finished before um, before our designs were ready. I'm trying to think of an example I can give that's some, of something that has been revealed already. I'm not sure if this I've got. I've got some very good ideas, but I can't talk about them just yet, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but in some situations, like we would look at like the list of arts of what we'd done, and we're like, oh, like, that's an absolutely perfect fit with this design, which we hadn't at all come up with with the artwork in mind. All right, let's uh let's explore what it's like as a game designer. I am curious personally what your like what the, what does your job entail and what does this feel like and what is it like what is a uh, a typical day look like for you as a game designer on altered? 
So what's interesting about that question is that if you're talking to someone else in the game design team, they probably give quite a different answer uh, to mine um, at this given point in time. One of the really interesting things about Equinox is um, how we're, we're encouraged to, well, we're encouraged to basically work where we feel like we're needed and um, where we feel like we have the most to bring. So even though everyone has like the same status of game design in the team, uh, what each individual game designer specializes is and, and specializes in and what they're most capable of doing uh, differs quite a lot from person to person. And it also evolves a lot, uh, well, depending on where we're at in the process. So for example, during a lot, I was actually, um, I, had, I had a position of a lead designer on uh, Beyond the Gates. So when we were developing Beyond the Gates, I was very much like working on like card design, working on like having a vision uh, for, for development of the set. Um, and I was, yeah, like basically developing that whole thing, making sure the designs kind of fit the vision, changing designs from places to places that fit that vision, that whole kind of stuff. So lots of like purely just like working with like Excel spreadsheets, which contain all the information of the cars and constantly adjusting different things, um, like between the arts and all the different numbers, all the different mechanics and testing out new ideas. Um, so when you're developing a set, it's a lot of that kind of work. Um, but it also very much depends on the, on the point in time. Um, at the moment, um, there's still a lot of proofreading work to be done, uh, working quite a lot on uh, translation, localization, and getting all these kind of, getting all the products like wrapped up and super polished uh, and uh, ready, um, ready for Kickstarter, basically. Yeah, so let's, let's do a, a little bit of a, an example. What's your day like today? Yeah. Other than having an interview with me and you know being on the podcast, like you got in the, into the office today, you know, you got this Kickstarter that's coming up. I imagine that's probably like priority number one for most of the team at the moment, getting this thing rolling, making sure everything's in place for this thing to be a success. You know, what, uh, what did you do before we started ch chatting this morning or this afternoon for you? Uh, you know, what do you got planned for afterwards? Yeah, sure. I mean, some amount of meetings, um, like we've got, we've got a whole, um, whole game design team meeting afterwards. Um, basically kind of debriefing the past couple of weeks, um, it's a really cool moment, kind of like share how things are going. Great moment to like give them some feedback um, to people in the team as well. Um, so yeah, there's always like this kind of organisational bits and um, like odds and ends that are going on. Um, but so like we had the playtest, um, playtest with our, our internal playtest team on um, Tuesday night, and we're still gathering lots of feedback on that. So this morning there's quite a lot of discussion uh, surrounding like, okay, here's all this data that we've got from the playtest. Uh, how should we be analyzing this? What's kind of the conclusions we're drawing from this? Um, I like participated in the beta as like a, a playtester as well. So I, like, it's quite cool to just be able to chat to my colleagues about my personal experience and like some of the things I'm taking from this whole thing as well. Um, so yeah, there's definitely lots of like, open-ended discussions. Um, and like, it's, well, we have quite a lot of like, natural discussions amongst ourselves around these kind of subjects, like um, playtests and like, our, our feelings on the different things um, regarding the different, um, different cars or tests and different decks we're testing at a given time. So we think it's quite important to kind of keep, keep it organic in that sense. Um, obviously you need structure for the design process to work in the end, um, but there's also points in time where you do need to be a bit more open and just let people kind of discuss it and see where like, where the competition brings you on to what, like, what conclusion like, you're going to come up with together as a team while discussing these things. Yeah, yeah. How do you balance creativity with more of the technical aspects of, of game design? Like you said, like you've got all these cell sheets, you've got these spreadsheets, you got data to look at, you've got, you know, you got player feedback, and you've got all these like data points. But then there's also just the 
you know, like you said, the instinct part, right? Like, how do you feel like about this particular thing? How do you find the right path between the two? I guess one way of putting it could be that um, you need like the technical skills to uh, work out what is wrong. Uh, if something isn't working, technical skills will kind of like have you analyze that. Okay, like what is this? Is this too complex? Uh, is uh, or is this card not appreciated by the players? Uh, is it getting like bad grades and play tests? That kind of stuff. And then you need the more creative side of your mind to actually figure out the solution to that. Um, so it's kind of one thing, like, yeah, it's like one big step to like agreeing and understanding what the issues uh, could be. And then the whole other step, like, okay, how do we actually fix this? So what, how should we change our designs? How should we change the card file for it to make sense and to actually solve the issue that we've, that we've identified? Cool. So what ways has uh, player feedback shaped the development of the game? Absolutely. Um, well, as I was saying before, like playtesting is a massive um, part of like our, our process of designing and understanding like different players' emotional reactions uh, to different situations, what they find fun. Um, it's, a, it's very much about like the the emotional, yeah, the, the emotional response, like the, how it feels to play the game, um, which, are basically, which are things you can't really figure out, well, aren't easy to figure out for yourself. Uh, when you're playing as a designer. Uh, when you're playing as a designer, some things do help to you, um, but they tend to be quite technical sometimes. Um, I don't know, well, at least for me, I often like think about technical things when I'm playing, uh, and it's not always easy to figure out, well, what is someone who's got a very different profile from mine? How are they going to uh, live this experience of playing this game? How will they, where will they have found fun? What, bit, what parts of this will they have found frustrating, for example? Uh, so like we said at the beginning, uh, this should coincide with the launch of the Kickstarter. Kickstarter is live right now. Go check it out if you haven't uh, if you haven't done it already. Uh, assuming that's the case, what does what are the next like six months or so look like for the development of the game? What what's planned leading up into the actual like official launch, and what do you got uh, lined up for uh, shortly thereafter? So in terms of what we're working on internally, um, there's some limits what I'm capable of saying at the moment, um, but we are working on future content. Um, and we have to work on things quite far ahead in time uh, because of like well all the constraints regarding uh, fabrication and printing of the cards. Uh, however, um, so this is well, game designers are probably mainly be focusing on working on uh, future content uh, for the months to come. Um, but there's lots of other things happening in terms of uh, preparing like the community um, and organized play, right? So um, I think the plan is to have a initial tournament um, at uh, launch of the game and then develop uh, the whole organized play system for the game as uh, the year goes on um and we're, we're hoping to have a uh we're hoping to have a whole community around tournaments and the organized play in local game stores uh, and that's something that we're really hoping to achieve to have all to be like well to have all to really like live the success of being having a whole community around it and like people joining in and getting to know each other like potentially for meeting through like finding events on uh, the store locator on the app uh and yeah not even not just playing the game but living the whole kind of hobby experience of altered and all the digital aspects that kind of link into that sure how do you uh how do you see like i don't know maybe game design only has some aspects of this but the competitive aspect of tcgs is is a major component for a lot of people myself i generally like to compete that's what that's my point of enjoyment for games like magic that's what i like to do I like to play casually, but my like bread and butter is I want to play because I want to play at the highest level if I can, right? I want to be as good as I can be. How 
how will that look like for Altered? What are some of the plans for competitive, uh, the competitive scene that you can reveal and have been yeah, talked about? So we've, so we, we have actually put a lot of um, time and effort on making sure um, that Altered is a like a, a great game at playing a competition. So we um, we employed a um, a team of external playtesters um, that are all like well very very high level Magic players. Um, and they they faced the game and uh, the cast from uh, Beyond the Gates for many months. Um, I'm I'm not going to list every single person in that team, um, but we were working with uh, Jean Manuel de Poir, so the current Magic World Champion. Um, yeah, current, current Magic World Champion. Um, we worked with him for a couple of months before he was World Champion, um, and had loads of really um, like great um, fresh talent um, in the Magic um, in the Magic community working with us, and their feedback cool. has been essential in um helping us balance the cards and create a an experience that's not really fun for people who are discovering altered and getting into tcgs but even if you played uh, tens of thousands of hours of magic um like altered will have the complexity and the decision points that you're looking for in any other competitive game so we're really hoping something will be able to develop around that uh, i'm confident that the game has the, the depth and the interest and that we've also done the balancing um, in a way where lots of different strategies uh, will be able to compete and um, interact with each other in the tournament scene. Uh, will there be components that are focused on the LGS level of things? Not just like, you know, world tournaments, nationals, that kind of stuff? Yeah, certainly. I'm not the best person to talk to uh, regarding all that, but I know our marketing team is very focused on having um, events Rather, well, not just competitions, not just tournaments, but events at local game stores, uh, because that's where you build the community for card games. And of course, like having bigger, bigger like world championships, like those sound great on the headlines, um, but you need the whole, we need lots of smaller communities for that to actually be possible. So that's definitely going to be our focus for sure. That makes me happy because like 90% of the gameplay, maybe even higher than, maybe it's 95, 99 of the gameplay occurs at a local, you know, peer to peer casual level. Like you said, the world events, those are cool. Yeah. Those are great, great headlines, that kind of thing. But most of the game happens at the local level where you're just playing with your friends or you're playing on a Friday night with your buds and, or people who are uh, also in the same community as you. So I'm glad to hear that there's going to be some some uh, support and some effort put into making sure that that's a healthy ecosystem for, for the game. So what are the, some of the most challenging aspects of developing art Altered? What are the what are the things that you've overcome over the last year that you feel like this was a you know a big obstacle and we figured this out? Sure. One of the big ones that I that off the top of my head, one of the big ones that comes to mind is um in the development of uh Beyond the Gates, we we started off with a very, very uh, large scope in terms of what we were hoping to uh to produce. And uh as well I guess it was easy to take that scope uh, for a given, and over multiple time periods, we basically had to sit on the table and say, "Look, I, I, like the scope is too much. Like we're we're trying to achieve way too much here. It's just necessary. It's not really possible." And reduce that scope uh, to the one we have today, which is already quite large. I mean, there's 500 cards plus all the uniques, um, which is quite a lot more than most CCGs actually launch with. Um, but yeah, surprisingly enough, that scope was considerably larger um, at different points throughout, <laughs> uh, throughout the development, um, which still baffles me today, um, but <laughs> here we are, um, and we, um, we've we definitely managed to get to get through that. Um, but I think, it, yeah, it was quite a tough moment where as a team that like, you have to sit down like, okay, like we're trying to do too much here. 
there's too many different cards, there's too many conflicting objectives we're trying to, uh, to achieve at the same time. And so that, those weren't easy moments, but they were definitely very important in the whole development process of like understanding, okay, like what, I guess, uh, yeah, another way of putting it is we, we kind of decided on these numbers of what we should be doing, like, oh, there should be this, this many cars and this many different rare versions and all these kind of things. And we were so focused on achieving that for a long time that it was hard to actually take a step back and uh, think, oh, wait, are we actually doing the right thing here? And that was one of the biggest challenges, I think, um, was taking that step back and then well, actually convincing everyone else that <laughs> that was the right path to follow and um, let's go ahead with. But we, we definitely managed to overcome that and I'm, I'm very happy and satisfied with the scope of uh, what we what we what we've done for Beyond the Gates, uh, and I'm very glad we reached some of it uh, because, yeah, the original numbers we had in mind were definitely not realistic. Yeah, I think there is a a uh, tendency to want to throw in like everything, including the kitchen sink at the beginning. You want to do it all, right? You want to have everything in place. Yeah. You have all these cool ideas, at least at the beginning, to you know to tell this massive grand story through the the gameplay, and then you realize. That's a bit much. <laughs> like this, I don't have to do all of this at once. It's the nice thing about a, a trading card game, at least when you have multiple sets, right? You can tell some of that later, right? You don't have to do it all in one go. You can save some of that good stuff for later on in the future. Exactly, yeah. Um, one of uh, one of my colleagues um, often um, laughs at me for like constantly. I I just had this thing where I kept like I see it as like oh like that's not that's not for the first set. That's for later. And like I'd, I I said that many times <laughs> over the development. Um, so it kind of became like the, the running joke. Um, everything was for later. Um, but I, I I definitely think it's for the best. Um, one of the interesting kind of points surrounding that is um, like well, I can talk about for a little bit is how basically how so. In terms of design, we call this top-down design. So we were talking about earlier how art and uh, game design can interact, and art, the one game design can interact, right? And Alters uses lots of uh, fictional characters, characters from human imaginary. So we'll have like uh, like Jean Moulin, which we were talking about earlier, for example, uh, like uh, deities from various religions, for example. And when you're doing stuff like that, it's very tempting to have like a really cool, like unique design for a card, which really like tells the story of what the character uh who the character is and what they're doing and we definitely tried a lot of that stuff and it's I, obviously it's really fun it's really cool it's really engaging to the player because they're like oh well this card is complex but it's okay right because like i understand that it's this character and that i know from like this book or this fiction and so it it makes sense to me um but in reality we tried a lot of doing that and it turns out I don't, well, it's not something that's actually going to be that present in Beyond the Gates, right? So who are we on? If you've seen her effects in the print and play decks are very basic, um, which I can understand can feel a little bit disappointing to, to some players. Right? You're like, oh, well, there's this iconic character and its effects don't, aren't that unique, aren't that interesting. Um, I, well, I definitely think that's for the best though, because this is the first set, right? Like people need time to get to know the mechanics, get comfortable with the mechanics. Mechanics are new that there's not many other TCGs that have similar mechanics as we do. So it's really important that people get familiar with those and get comfortable with that. And as time goes on, we're definitely going to be able to do a lot more of designs that resonate more from like top to bottom in terms of what the, what the, what's represented and what the effects are on the link between those things. Uh, and that's definitely something we're going to improve upon. Um, but. The reason we, well, the reason we isn't so present in the cards we're seeing at the moment is very much the whole accessibility thing. And it doesn't really matter how if the card is really cool if no one can understand it and no one can remember what it does. Yeah, I imagine that's a 
again, one of those tough lines. The game design life seems to be all about balance and finding the right middle ground between two extremes of complexity and simplicity. And you want to tell the, all the story of a card's narrative through its effects, right? Because that's the game is telling a story through through the mechanics, but you don't want to get so deep into the weeds that it's un, it's indecipherable, right? Or it's too complicated because that's just a turnoff, right? That'll just be like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into, I don't get how this works. I don't see how this fits into my deck. So I'm not even going to play it, right? Like I can just completely ignore it and have that happen, which you don't want that happen either, right? You want it to be so that hopefully every single card that you print is a viable, useful piece of interaction. Somebody's going to like it. Someone's going to like the art. You know, you want everything to be someone's below, right? If you can pull that off. But I can see that being a, uh, a big challenge, like an ongoing every day. How do we find the right line between the two? Yeah, exactly. And for, for Beyond the Gates, we set the line towards more simplicity. Um, the, the vision for, the get, uh, for Beyond the Gates is this is altered, this is altered core gameplay. And this is like the, like we, the game doesn't need that much more to be fun. Like, well, it doesn't need anything else to be fun. Altered, like the, the basic core gameplay of altered is great. At least in my personal opinion, <laughs> we'll see. Um, we'll see how everybody reacts um, to it. Once, once the games play out, of course. Um, but we've been getting great feedback so far from our testers and um, our community so far. So um, I'm going to be quite confident with um, um, in saying that. And uh, yeah, Beyond Gates is about exploring every element of the core gameplay. Um, and there's loads of fun twists uh, and stuff on that. And let's just say that. Us aiming for simplicity does definitely not mean that you're not going to have fun and it's not going to be loads of cool cards and mechanics for you to discover in our first set. Good stuff. Can you share a particularly uh, rewarding moment or milestone in the game's journey so far? I think I'll go to something that I mentioned before, which is uh, so the whole feeding mechanic um, and how cards get feeding uh, when they're played from the reserve. And that was not always the case uh, for a while. Some of our early prototypes, basically, you could keep core game bot, the, the rules said you could carry on playing a card uh, from the reserve uh, as much as you wanted. And some cards had feeting, uh, like you did them from hand and negotiate to discard so into reserve. Um, but we hadn't actually figured out that was important uh, for the core gameplay for multiple other reasons at the time, because some other mechanics were maybe parasizing the whole thing. Parasizing the whole thing. Um, but then it just kind of clicked that like, well, playing the same cards again and again isn't fun. And uh, like there's a much more dynamic feel to like, play a card, play it a second time, and that's it. Then you have to move on and find new resources. And yeah, kind of the moment where I like, figured out, oh, actually, like this thing that this mechanic fleeting should really have needs to be a part of the rules. Um, that was like quite a big development and it really changed a lot of the way we design cards. It allowed loads of new things in terms of how we cost cards on the reserve, how we balance different things. Uh, so it's definitely a huge moment and really influential for um, like all the designs that came afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure finding an elegant solution to a problem that's always kind of been like, this doesn't feel perfect. I can see how that would be like, okay, we, we, we figured it out. This is exactly what it needed to be, you know, 12 months ago. We got it we figured it out. I can see how that would be like, that feels really good. Finding that perfect puzzle piece for the, the, the problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah. I mean, it, it, well, it felt good, but it, well, it felt good, but it has some drawbacks as well, right? Like it did bring some accessibility issues in terms of, uh, the feeding tokens, uh, or the feeding um, markers that you've got to use to track feeding and such things. So it wasn't a necessarily, well, from the moment we had the idea, it wasn't necessarily positive from the get-go. And it definitely took some um, well, some, some work and some, some convincing to get everybody, uh, to get the whole team on board of it. Um, but so, but now definitely looking back at it, um, 
I'm sure we were confident it was the right decision and it, it worked out great for how the gameplay functions. But yeah, that's the thing in game design. Sometimes it's not always clear and there's always decisions where you've got events and you've got like 60-40% on both sides. And in hindsight, I'm I'm very satisfied with most of the decisions we made, um, even when we we're on the fence. But when you're making them, it often can feel quite uncomfortable. <laughs> it's kind of funny that you that you say that because that to me that game design and gameplay have a lot of corollaries, right? There's a lot of times where you're playing a game and you've got two choices, right? You basically say, well, I could do this or I could do this. Both are viable lines of play, right? You could 50-50 or 60-40 or whatever it happens to be. You feel like, okay, well, well, if I draw this, this happens. If they draw this, this happens. Both lines are, are potentially ways of a pass towards victory. And those are the most interesting, right? That's where you get to debate. Like, well, should I have done this? Should I have done this? What do you think, right? the post-game analysis comes in after that. Yeah. And the fact that that like inside the game and the design of the game, there are points where th that happens, right? Where you have this, like, well, it could be this and it could be that. We could do two different things. It's more of a matter of like, well, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Right? Well, which one's the right one? Well, we'll find out in time, but this one feels like the right one. Let's go with that one. And you make the best choice you can with the information that you have, right? So uh, what advice would you give to someone who's aspiring to enter the game design field, especially as like a, a TCG de designer? Sure. Um, well, TCG is quite specific because it's not a big industry. Um, so I would, I think I'd recommend to not specifically head out with the goal of working uniquely on TCGs to speak to so few jobs uh, in the whole world for those kind of positions. As a more like general game designer, um, even like also in the board game industry, potentially video game industry as well, uh, the big lesson that I've learned um, in the past year and a half has been basically being able to put yourself in uh, a new player's skin, understanding what um, what the what the experience of crafting is like for new players, and act like anyway, putting the accent on accessibility uh, because that is the main hurdle to almost all games out there, and really being able to consider that in every single decision that you make during the game design process. That's been really, that's been the most valuable lesson I've learned uh, and the one that I'd like to share to people uh, about the whole, um, yeah, about being a game designer, basically. That is a very good lesson to learn. I think I've had uh, similar advice for new store owners, right? For tabletop game store owners is that uh, accessibility and reducing the intimidation factor because there's so much going on and there's so many awesome choices and there's so many awesome games to play that, for somebody who's never played a card game before, who's never been really part of the hobby, they can feel overwhelmed because there's just so much potential, right? There's so many places and things to look at and reducing the that level of intimidation to make it more approachable, right? And the value of, of a store owner in a lot of ways is being this like, being this guide, right? This being the Gandalf to the, the Frodo to be like, okay, I got you covered. Let me show you where you need to go. Let me guide you to like your best experience, right? Are there any specific skills or experiences that you think are crucial for success in this, in the game design field in particular? The main thing is to give it a go yourself. Um, be like, you need to have done prior creations. You need to try things out. And most importantly, you need to have had those play tested. Um, you can make 10 prototypes of a board game uh, in, your, in your room and never show them to anybody and that's not really going to get you anywhere. And as soon as you put one of those prototypes uh, in a group of players' hands, you're going to learn so much more. So I definitely say, yeah, experience in creating your stuff and experience in playtesting 
uh, your creations because there's, there's so much to learn how to run a playtest correctly, how to get the right information, and how to take that information into account. I think that's one of the, the big ones for me. That makes sense. How has uh, working on Altered affected your personal views on game design, storytelling, and that sort of thing? It's definitely changed. Well, yeah, it's changed a lot about how I how I see TCGs as a whole. I when I when I joined Equinox, I was very much a, a well. If you know the uh, the magic different profiles, I'd call myself a spike player. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, very much tournament based, tournament focused, um, and like the whole kind of competitive aspects and the whole kind of process of working with the art team, the law team, game designers from different backgrounds. Uh, very much taught me how to be interested in other elements from other players, and um, like figuring out what kind of uh, figuring out what kind of other like pleasures um, different players will take from different card games, and not just seeing it from my point of view, but from everyone else's. Yeah, for sure, I can definitely identify with that. I mentioned my own competitive lean. I definitely uh, would fall under the spike category as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can see how that would be like, yeah, that's what I'm going for. That's what I want to represent. This is what I want to make. You know, you, you have a tendency to make the game for you to make something that you'll enjoy, but you know, it's not just you playing this game, right? Especially with something as big as, as, as altered, right? It's not just you and your, your potential friend group. It's, there could be dozens of different kinds of people from all different kinds, you know, walks of life who want different experiences, right? And does your game provide that? Or is it just, specifically focused on one group and uh yeah i can see how that would open your eyes to be like okay so this person is telling me that they want you know this doesn't line up with them they don't like the way this works but i love it how is that possible exactly yeah this is exactly that kind of stuff if you could go back to the beginning this is the last question if you go back to the beginning of the project is there anything that you would do differently oh wow that's a tough one In terms of like pure game design decisions, uh, well, there's definitely some things like some things I mentioned previously, such as like in terms of the scope, um, like reducing the scope earlier, having a better focus on accessibility from the get-go. Um, there's definitely some elements I can point towards. Maybe some some other thing I can mention is uh, like how we work as a team, right? Um, we definitely, I mean, I mentioned like the kind of the organic aspect. Um, that we tend to work with as game designers and how it's important to have like these discussions and debates uh, and always be open to that. Um, but it can definitely lead to lack of structure in some situations, right? And it's finding like compromise on that. And there are some situations where we have tended to be to err too much on the side of not having enough organization structure. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some things we could have done to be, to be a bit better on that front. Uh, but I think it's also part of the learning process uh, in terms of us um, learning our jobs as game designers uh or tcg or game design for altered maybe that's the right way to put it um because every time you're going to work on the new on a new project as a game designer you kind of have to there's lots of things you have to relearn about what is this project actually about what are the constraints i'm working with what are what's the setting of this uh of this whole project um so yeah some things we definitely didn't do perfectly as we were kind of learning what actually what 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 altered was uh, as time went on right and we had to discover for ourselves what the game we're working on is, what's its identity, and what we're trying to, to work towards. So that definitely took some time, um, but I'm I'm really glad of how it works out, and I'm I'm confident that we did manage to find out what altered is, uh, and that we've now got a very clear understanding of that. But yeah, obviously, if we start again with that knowledge, um, things will go differently. But that's also part of the magic of um, how the whole process works. I lied. That wasn't my last question. My last question is, where can people go to find information about the Kickstarter? What do you want to let people know? 
you know, let's let's uh, point people in the right direction, assuming that this again has uh, is coinciding with the launch of the uh, the Kickstarter campaign. Sure. So you can find the Kickstarter um, at uh, so Alter DCG Kickstarter. Um, you can also check out our so our website. Um, so uh, if, you, if you look up Alter TCG, you'll you'll find that straight away. Um, and that, from there, you'll find links to all our socials. Uh, you'll find a link to our Discord server as well, so you can uh, start joining our community. Uh, if you're interested in checking out the game, um, there'll be loads of information. There'll be different simulators and different systems set up, so you can test the game online. Uh, you'll find more information about that on our Discord or on our website. Um, so yeah, definitely. If you're interested by what um, by what you're hearing, give the game a go. Uh, it'll take you 15, 20 minutes to get you get your first game in, and hopefully that gives you a good sense of um, what playing Alter feels like. Beautiful. Any parting words for anyone who's listening? You know, whether they're players or uh, or store owners who are like, hmm, this altered game sounds pretty interesting. What uh, you know, where, what would you want to tell those people? Sure. I guess I'd tell them that we're well. This is quite an ambitious project. Uh, it's quite an ambitious game. Lots of new things. Um, and but we've put a lot of time and effort into it, and we we believe that like things we've come up with are going to be able to completely well change what. Change the landscape of what a TCG can be, um, and I'd, I recommend people to get on board the train um, before it's too late. Because if this goes off, it can really completely change the way that TCGs uh, function. Well, thank you for for donating your time and uh, and getting through this whole process with me. As much fun as it's been having things uh, with the technical difficulties and all that. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks. All right, that is it for today's episode of the Maniverse Podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you stay up to date whenever we upload. And if you like what you hear, we'd also appreciate a quick five-star review on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to today's show, and thanks to Marcus for coming on the episode and sharing his experience working on the Altered Game Design team. And what I really want you to do right now, if you're still listening to this all the way up to this point, is go to the Kickstarter campaign for Altered. And, uh, and check it out and see what they have going on. I am very excited to see what Altered TCG will do for the trading card game, and I'm thinking it's going to be something very interesting coming out over the next few months, and I am really looking forward to seeing what they got, uh, what they got planned. I'm Tom Trapp, and I've been your host, and I will talk to you again in the next episode of the Manaverse Podcast. Podcast.